pleasant Wednesday. Hello, welcome into the show that shakes up the Southland each and every time that we get together with you. I'm John Rawl. I'm the general of all things Southern, and it is my great honor to serve for the next couple hours as your friendly host and moderator of the Y'all Show. Talk with an accent on all things Southern. If you are a great Southerner, welcome aboard. If you're a Southerner at heart, well, come on in. We're going to put a little South in your mouth for the next couple of hours. Got a busy show with plenty of news headlines coming in from across the Southeast. Included in that is you got your second Republican presidential debate going down on this Wednesday. We'll tell you a little bit more about it as you can tune in to one of the Fox channels for that, for that debate that Donald Trump's going to be skipping out. Speaking of Trump, a judge rules on Tuesday in New York that he defrauded banks and insurers. We'll give you the latest and his reaction, of course, to that as we move across the headlines today. Congress trying to still avoid a shutdown, the latest from Washington, D.C., and out of Virginia, a state that's going to be hurt most by the government shutdown. We'll give you some numbers out of the Commonwealth. Baltimore Oriole fans grieving the loss of one of its greatest O's players and a Arkansas native, Brooks Robinson, dies on Tuesday. We'll have a little tribute to Brooks Robinson, baseball great. Nashawn Breedlove, rapper and eight-mile actor, also has passed away. We'll tell you about that. Plus, out of the TV circles, Deborah Roberts replacing Georgia Bulldog Amy Robach as a 2020 co-anchor. Remember Robach and that other guy that she was on there with ABC. I can't remember his name right now because I don't watch ABC too much. They kind of had a little off-the-air chemistry going, and therefore she's been replaced. And now Deborah Roberts, who has been on the Today Show for a number of years, she is replacing her on 2020. Out of Nashville, a baby found alone with a loaded gun inside a, a business there in Metro Nashville. We'll give you all the details. Morgan Wallen trying to make good with the people in Lafayette County, Mississippi. He has rescheduled his concert for Vault Hemingway Stadium. Remember, that was a concert that he had to cancel after performing on a Saturday. He was supposed to have a big stadium concert on Sunday, and he was a no-show. He's now rescheduled. We'll give you all the details in case you want to get to the Grove and check out Mr. Morgan Wallen, now mulletless Morgan Wallen. Uber Eats is going to start accepting food stamps. We'll give you the details on that. Sunday is Jimmy Carter's 99th birthday in Plains, Georgia, and some changes because of the impending government shutdown that you might need to know about if you're planning on going to Plains and helping President Carter blow out his birthday cake. All that plus the president's dog, Commander, has bitten another Secret Service agent. <laughs> what are they going to do with this dog? Been a whole bunch of people bitten by this feisty canine. We'll have all that coming out of the nation's capital as we go through our news headlines today, so stick around for the more detailed info. Plus, in this opening hour of y'all, we've got hashtag HuddleBlue coming your way, and we're going to be talking about biscuits as part of our social media fun, plus comparing Southerners to New Yorkers. What's that all about? We'll explain as we have hashtag HuddleBlue in just a few minutes here in our opening hour. Hour two, in addition to news headlines, we've got cooking and food on our mind we've got a recipe for classic pumpkin bread we're about to turn that calendar over to the month of october you know what october means we've already turned the calendar over to the fall of the year it's officially fall hello happy fall y'all 
And we've got this pumpkin bread recipe that we'll be dissecting courtesy of the website servingupsouthern.com. That's coming up in hour number two. Also in our second hour today, Target is closing stores because of theft and other stupid stuff that goes on in some of the left coast places. We'll tell you a little bit more about that. And are you going to be affected by Target shutting down some stores? Plus, in our other business news, there is a article out about women's health care costs. We'll give you the latest on that. Plus, a tech person out of Baltimore, the founder of a application called EcoMap, she's been murdered in the city of Baltimore. And I'll give you the unfortunate news about her death and what will happen to this very successful company now that its founder has been murdered in Baltimore. All that is part of our Southern Business Spotlight coming up in hour number two. In our final hour today, we will have a history spotlight. And today, we mark the anniversary back in 1964 that the Warren Commission was made public to everybody. That's the report on the John F. Kennedy assassination. Hard to believe it's now been almost 60 years since that came out, since that assassination happened. November 22nd, 1963. And after months and months of research into the Kennedy assassination, the commission report officially came out on this date in 1964. And I've gone back and seen some of the videos of how the media unveiled it. There were like special reports and they went through for hours in primetime TV going over the Warren Commission and this is 1964 so some of the graphics not exactly what we are used to seeing in today's media world but pretty fascinating the Warren Commission which had a couple of southern members on it also speaking of the south and in southern history today is the birthday of Raphael Sims born in Maryland but a hero in Alabama if you're not familiar with Raphael Sims He's probably best known for being the commander of the Confederate state ship Alabama. The CSS Alabama's Raphael Sims. Sim was a he was a lawyer and he fought in the Confederate Navy, which had a pretty extraordinary record for such a beleaguered country. The Confederate Navy was pretty strong, and Raphael Sims was its most famous person. And we're gonna tell you a little bit more about this Mobile, Alabama guy. Sims and what he did after the Civil War and a salute to this Confederate sailor Admiral Raphael Sims born on this date plus we've got info on Little Wayne Little Wayne did you realize he was a southerner the rapper and whatever else he is Colorado Buffalo's influencer because he recently was at that Colorado Colorado State football game and led the Buffaloes out onto the field while I guess you would call it singing Little Wayne, it's his birthday. We'll tell you a little bit more about this guy. Also, in our final hour today, we've got our Southern Humor Spotlight. And I'm going to introduce you to what's considered to be a very clean Southern comedian. As he's going to have a skit all about when your pilot has a Southern accent. I'm going to introduce you, if you're not familiar with Johnny W. He lives in Nashville, and he's a funny man. And we're going to let you hear a clip of him in his concert setting Johnny W. It's part of our Southern Humor Spotlight. We're going to leave you with a couple of laughs on this Wednesday show. To get involved with y'all, it's easy to do. We've got our 24-hour-a-day text line, 615-208-4184. Or you can email us anytime 
at M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. We, we would absolutely be delighted to hear from you, no matter what you got going on. It's always good to connect with our audience. And I'm getting calls. I'm getting texts from many of you who say, keep it up, enjoy it. And when are you going to have that guy come on to talk football? Well, that's going to be on our Thursday show. We have Mr. Kiefer Ingalls, the pigskin prognosticator. And he comes on Thursdays and breaks down all the college football stuff. Since we've kind of backed off of some of our sports coverage here lately, we at least give Thursdays proper college football credit with Mr. Ingalls when he comes in and files his pigskin prognostication. So appreciate those who ask about that. That's coming up Thursday's Y'all Show. But this is Wednesday's Y'all Show, so we got to get busy with what's going on across the southeast today. So it is the second presidential debate going on on this Wednesday, and this will be a chance for people like, let's see, Vivek Ramaswamy, also Ron DeSantis. There's going to be a few less people in this debate. In fact, Asa Hutchinson did not qualify for this particular debate that starts at 9 o'clock Eastern, and it will be moderated by Fox Business Network host Stuart Varney and Fox News Channel host Dana Perino. And it is going to be from the Reagan Library out in California. This debate will air on the Fox News Channel and on Fox Business. It will also be on Univision for those who want to see it on the Spanish language feed. And again, Ronald, uh, Ronald, Ronald Reagan's library is where this is going to be. But when you think about Donald, the Donald won't be there at the Ronald because he's choosing to skip out on another debate. And I listened to Donald Trump Jr. the other day talk about that decision. And he said, why would we want to go in there and be part of a debate of which the whole debate would be about trying to bring me down bring in case in the case of president trump let these other people fight at the kids table and try to come up with a potential second place person meanwhile we're cruising 50 points ahead of everybody else go have fun in fact trump's going to have some counter programming i think planned for this wednesday presidential debate at the reagan presidential library in simi valley california Governor DeSantis, who still leads in most polls over all the other Republican contenders, trying to push his numbers up a little bit more. Former Vice President Mike Pence also will be on hand at the debate. So you got DeSantis, Ramaswamy, Pence, Tim Scott of South Carolina, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, and Doug Burgum. There's a guy we don't talk a whole lot about. But he has found a way to stay alive, the North Dakota governor. Is he your future president, Dove Burgum? <laughs> you know, I've heard his advertisements. He's, he's really putting a pretty big effort into this thing out of North Dakota, of all places. Trump's going to miss out again on this thing. Instead, he's going to meet with, on this Wednesday, current and former union workers in Michigan where he'll be up there countering what Joe Biden did on Tuesday when President Biden went and met with the UAW head. And I saw that press conference. And if you want to call it a press conference, it was pretty pathetic. I know the UAW is a strong organization, and I know they've got this strike now against all the big automakers. 
But if you saw what happened on Tuesday in Wayne, Michigan, the president made this big deal to go all the way out there to join up with the UAW officials, and they were all in a kind of casual setting. The president was not wearing a tie. UAW people were wearing polos, and they had a bullhorn out there talking. But there were, if I had to guess, maybe 100 people at this strike going on and I'm sorry other than President Biden everybody out there was wearing red and you can't help but correlate red to communism when you've got workers striking and that's that's kind of that's how I saw it and so your president for the first time in history a sitting president joined in on a strike of workers and that's what happened on Tuesday in Wayne, Michigan with the UAW strike. And when given a chance to speak, I'm not kidding, Biden spoke for about two sentences, gave the bullhorn back to the head of UAW, and then after he spoke for a lengthy time and Biden was over there on the side, Biden went and grabbed it again and spoke for probably another two sentences. So he he spent all that time and effort flying to Wayne, Michigan, and you hardly heard him And when he did speak, he did it through a bullhorn. Someone said this was all optics. It was all to perhaps come up with some kind of video for the 2024 campaign for Joe Biden. Perhaps, perhaps, but what a waste of time and money, in my opinion, with Biden going out there and speaking that little. Look, if he had gone out there and really turned the heat up and really pressured the automobile companies with a lengthy speech or a powerful speech that'd been one thing if he'd brought in maybe some more heavy hitters from the celebrity world to join him or something but it was weak it was weak and in my opinion did not help the uaw's case too much as they're out fighting for better conditions and i forgot what biden said specifically that fired up the uaw but He's, he's wanting them to get more money. It's all about the Benjamins from the Joseph, Joseph R. So you got your Republican debate on this Wednesday. President Trump countering that with his own Michigan appearance. Now, back to some other Trump news of the day. A judge in New York has ruled that Trump committed fraud for years while building his real estate empire that catapulted him to fame and to the White House, ultimately. And this judge ordered some of the president's companies removed from his control and dissolved. That's hard to believe that a guy, no matter who you are, could have your companies removed and control dissolved. But that's what Judge Arthur Ingeron, in a civil lawsuit brought by New York Attorney General Letitia James, has found and that the former president and his company deceived banks, insurers, and others by massively overvaluing his assets and exaggerating his net worth on paperwork used in making deals and securing loans there in New York State. Maybe part of the reason he skipped out of the Empire State and headed down to the Sunshine State as a resident. 
the judge ordering that some of Donald Trump's businesses, uh, they had to be their licenses rescinded as punishment, which would make it difficult or even impossible for them to do business in New York again. And the judge said that he would continue to have an independent monitor oversee the Trump Organization operations. If not appealed, the judge's order would strip Donald Trump of his authority to make strategic and financial decisions over some of his key properties in the state of New York. Are they going to come take over Trump Tower? The state of New York? It sure seems like they got their eye. Remember, Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York, she said when she was running for office, she was coming after Trump. She's going to do everything she could to get him. And she's got a case against him right now. And then maybe this ruling from, t- uh, from Tuesday ties into that, the Judge Arthur Ingeron ruling. But Trump now, back in New York, more headlines where he has been, by a judge, ruled that Trump defrauded banks and insurers while building up the Trump organization. There may be some truth to that. Remember, Trump, to both his credit and to his fault, is a self-promoter. He influenced so many people by just having a chip on his shoulder. He influenced me when he was running for office. He influenced me because here's a guy who was a fast-talking, loud-mouth New Yorker. But I watched The Apprentice when it would be on TV. And who wouldn't want to be Donald Trump back in that time period when he, when he was sitting in the boardroom and have that power to put your fingers out there and say, you're fired? I, I think, honestly, who would not want to have that kind of power, even though it was a stupid game? It was a stupid reality show. But he, he was the head of the Trump organization, for goodness sakes. He could do anything. He, he could, except launch wars and stuff like that that you got to do as president. <laughs> Which he didn't even do that. He protected the country, frankly. But the, the the kind of braggadocious way that Trump has was refreshing in 2016. It's still refreshing. We go through life oftentimes, most a lot of us, I'll, I'll even say most of us, and we kind of keep, we just keep, Grinding, we, we do the same monotonous thing. We go to work. We take care of our kids. We go to church sometimes on Sunday. And then we go to bed at night and repeat, 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 repeat. Do we ever take the time to maybe unbutton that button at the top, roll up your sleeves and say, heck yeah, I'm pretty freaking awesome. Well, that's what Trump definitely in my opinion, evokes. And I I think that was refreshing. Sometimes you don't have to be the man to be the man. Okay? I'm getting a little carried away here. <laughs> but I think if, if, if any of you live boring lives, just steal a little bit of that Trump braggadocious way, even though he oftentimes says, and I'm not saying this in a braggadocious way, but heck yeah, he is in some cases, and that's okay. We need and not necessarily a personal braggadocious conviction coming from someone like Donald J. Trump, but we need it from a country standpoint. By God, we are the United States of America. 
And I know we got our problems. But we are still the light on the hill. And people from all over the world want to come join us. Now, we can't let everybody in the world come join us. But we can certainly allow legal immigration to happen. And people come here legally. But we are the example for the world. And we have our certainly our flaws. We're not perfect. But we're still the best example of a country created in the history of this world in, in my opinion now unless somebody comes around and proves me otherwise with another country come on show me show me the money but we're still USA and that's what Trump brought the make America great again was all about lifting your chin up and saying I'm proud and I'm not apologizing to be a proud American Okay, moving on. Let's go to Congress now. Congress says it wants to avoid a shutdown. But right now it appears the House and the Senate aren't exactly lining up on the same sheet of music as the Senate is going ahead with a bipartisan package to temporarily fund the government. But the House still continues to go through its long-shot effort with no real chance of finishing by the Saturday deadline to avoid a government shutdown as a shutdown of the government would furlough millions of federal employees, leave the military without pay, air travel would be affected, and it would also affect safety net services. And that's not a good thing. President Joe Biden, who earlier in 2023 reached a budget deal with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, believes the House Republicans are the ones with the burden to deliver on trying to avoid the deadline. Again, they've got until Saturday. And in fact, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said a deal is a deal in regards to the House Republicans, and she says that it's up to them to fix. Now, Tuesday, the U.S. Senate went ahead in a bipartisan fashion to break the stalemate as they advanced a temporary measure a continuing resolution that would keep the government running through November 17th and it would maintain funding at current levels with a $6 billion boost for Ukraine and a $6 billion U.S. disaster relief boost among other provisions. Now, putting that Ukraine thing in there is not going to make people happy. In fact, I wonder what Rand Paul had to say about this. I bet you he didn't vote for this. As he, to his credit, is a stickler for wasting money, the Kentucky senator, the junior senator out of the Commonwealth. Now, back to Congress, one of the right-wing holdouts is Representative Marjorie Greene of Northwest Georgia, and she's fighting for more cuts and opposes the funds for Ukraine. She said she voted against advancing any kind of package that bills are to be heading toward defeat anyway. She says that she's trying to save everybody from wasting time. Now, she's been aligned with Kevin McCarthy on a lot of things here lately, but we'll find out again. She, she's got a lot of influence in only her second term in Congress, Marjorie Greene. Another person that's kind of usually aligned with Marjorie Greene is Matt Gates of Florida. And he said on a, an appearance on Fox News Channel that a shutdown is not optimal, but it's better than continuing on the current path that we are on 
on to America's financial ruin. We'll keep our eye on Washington and if indeed a shutdown happens. If a shutdown happens, an article at WTOP.com is titled, Which State Would Be Hurt Most by a Government Shutdown? I would have to think it would be somewhere around the nation's capital because that's where a lot of people are that work for the government. In fact, U.S. Senator Mark Warner of Virginia says that Virginia has more than 170,000 federal employees and tens of thousands of military personnel stationed at bases in Virginia around Norfolk and other spots of the Commonwealth. And also that Virginia is the home to a large number of federal contractors. So Virginia alone with 129,000 active duty service members would be dramatically hurt by a government shutdown, at least temporarily. In Maryland, Congressman Glenn Ivey is out saying that his constituents are worried about how a shutdown would affect the state of Maryland as they also have lots of federal employees in that state. So yes, the D.C. area likely going to be affected more than any other section of the southeast if a government shutdown ends up happening. Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin, by the way, back to the Commonwealth, he said that a government shutdown really does hurt Virginia, as so many people who work for the government or who are part of the government affected by this. And he said that, sure enough, as Virginia gets ready to have a November 7th legislative election, a election there in Virginia that would control whoever wins Virginia's General Assembly, this potential government shutdown not coming at the best of times. So we'll see, again, with so many hundreds of thousands of people in Virginia and then Maryland as well, and no matter what corner of the South that you're in, government shutdown, if indeed it goes through starting Sunday on October 1st, would not be a very positive thing for the country. One last story here before we take a break. Major League Baseball Hall of Fame third baseman Brooks Robinson died Tuesday at the age of 86. He played most notably for the Baltimore Orioles, and he was an Arkansas native and won a great member of the O's when they won World Series and more World Series champs. Brooks Robinson, one of the great ones for the Baltimore Orioles, dying again on Tuesday. Our thoughts go out to the family of this man who died at the age of 86. Got a few more headlines that we'll talk to you about when we come back from this break. And before hour one is up, we've got some fun to tell you in regards to biscuits. Biscuits are on our mind. And I'm not talking about the baseball team in Montgomery, y'all. All that is right ahead on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Looking for a house and a couple of acres, you'll be my 
billboard out on the interstate If it takes forever to get us together, honey, I'll do whatever it Tossing my pennies in a downtown fountain Making my wishes, I hope I near account For love's sake I'll swim upstream in a raging river Walk through fire till you get the picture I swear I'll bear anything to get there Whatever it takes Whatever it takes To win your love oh, Hire me an airplane Have it paint your name up in the sky above Put it on a billboard out on the interstate If it takes forever to get us together, honey, I'll do whatever it takes Y'all know that voice right there? It was the very first song ever put out to radio from a guy that was a recent graduate of East Tennessee State University in Johnson City. It's ETSU's, I guess, their most famous alum, Go Bucks, Kenny Chesney. On Capricorn Records, that song right there, Whatever It Takes, went to number 59 back in 1994 when he was on that Capricorn imprint. I remember going by the old Capricorn Records there, not far from Vanderbilt in the West End section of Nashville when they had their office there in the early 90s. And uh, it's a small record studio just a couple blocks away from that campus but not right on Music Road, as that was a good half mile away. But the thing that stood out to me about Capricorn's office and maybe why they didn't make it in Nashville, and that song there only got up to number 59, was <sighs> right across the street, and probably the most famous landmark wasn't Capricorn Records right there on that street. It was a strip club. In fact, it shows up in a music video for that song right there. If you ever go ch- get a chance to watch whatever it takes is whatever it takes music video, you'll see that strip club which has been long gone i'm sure there's probably some kind of fancy hotel there if i had to guess somewhere right in there used to be a kenny rogers roasters chicken joint you probably haven't heard much about kenny rogers roasters lately have you (laughs) some old nashville memories here courtesy of kenny chesney Let's tell you a little bit more about some goings-on across the southeast today as we told you before the break that on Tuesday it was announced that Hall of Fame third baseman Brooks Robinson died at the age of 86. Great Baltimore Oriole player. But also want to let you know that we lost rapper and 8-mile actor Nashawn Breedlove as he's died in New Jersey and the cause of death unknown as his mother confirmed his death on Facebook writing that Nashawn was a rapper, singer, songwriter, and actor. No one could, could could deny his talent and Nashon's departure from this world has left an immense void in my life one that words cannot fully express I can't put into words the pain and hurt that I feel he was not just my son he was a remarkable man whose character and strength inspired all who crossed his path now in the movie 8 Mile the 2002 drama based on the life of Eminem Breedlove in that film as Eminem stars as Jimmy, a white rapper from Detroit, and Breedlove played the character Lotto, a freestyle rapper. 
right there in Detroit. And I don't know what all he's been doing since that movie came out, but he was also in the 2001 film soundtrack The Wash alongside Dr. Dre. And he was a longtime resident of New Jersey. Just wanted to point that out. I'm not sure if he has connections to the South, but Nashawn Breedlove dead at the age of 46. Now, Alabama lawmakers, we told you on Tuesday how they were in the news for the Supreme Court once again slapping them on the hand as they've been trying to come up with an additional congressional district out of the seven districts that Alabama is currently allotted based on the census. And they don't have but one minority district within the state of Alabama and minority groups are pushing hard to get that changed. They want to have a second congressional district for the Yellowhammer state because Alabama has uh, I'm going to I'm going to guess on this. I think I heard Alabama's got around a maybe a 29-30% black population. And so they only have the one black congress congressman which is a woman representing the black belt not because of race but it's called that because of the dirt in West Alabama Selmer uh, you know what shame on me that's the second day in a row I think I've said Selmer when I'm thinking about Selma in Alabama I need to get my Selmas and Selmers straight and you know there's a reason that I'm confused on that this is a true story it's kind of odd but Selma, Alabama is in Dallas County, Alabama, some 30 miles west of Montgomery. Historic town right on the Alabama River. Great history there. The Edmund Pettus Bridge, of course, is its most famous landmark in today's world. That's the Civil Rights Bridge that people like John Lewis got beat up on and, and, and people lost their lives in that civil rights struggle in Selma. But actually, Selma was a historic town long before the Civil Rights Movement. There was a battle in the Civil War. Nathan Bedford Forrest, that was the last battle that he was in, was Selma, Alabama. I've been down there to see the Nathan Bedford Forrest statue that was prominently displayed. And then way back in roughly 1999, I think it was, it got magically moved to a cemetery. And people fought that and fought that. And the justification for moving it was, well, it was near a basketball court. Can't have Nathan Bedford Forrest looking out over a basketball court. And uh, then I think it got vandalized in the the, uh, city cemetery. But a classic southern town with great history. and, And honestly, some of the history is not so fond. By the way, Forrest would end up surrendering in Greensboro, no, Gainesville, Gainesville, Alabama, which is not all that far from Tuscaloosa, way up in that section of Alabama near the Mississippi line. That's where he would surrender in May of 1865. But Selma, Alabama, historic city, Selmer is in West Tennessee in McNary County, the home of one Buford Pusser. And Selmer got its name from Selma. They just spell it differently. In Tennessee, they put an R on it. So I don't know if somebody messed up a long time ago when they were trying to come up with that name, and they put an R. You know, in some sections of the South, and 
places like that. they put R's on things that they really shouldn't be doing, like uh, Washington. <laughs> I'm going to Washington, D.C. Selmer, Tennessee is actually named for Selma in Alabama. How about that? So the back to the story from Tuesday, the Supreme Court of the United States ruling against the Alabama lawmakers, and they are back to the drawing board. They're trying to come up with a second potential minority district in Alabama. And that's an important story because we are right now just a handful of seats in the Republican ledger in Congress. And if they find another minority black district and make a congressional district out of it in Alabama, guess what? That's going to make the razor-thin lead Republicans have even smaller. And it does make a difference. But I thought, and I was thinking about this last night when I heard discussion on one of the Talking Heads Network about this Alabama case, I could have sworn that it's up to the states, the state legislatures, to come up with the maps. Why is the federal government even involved in how they do it? And if a state has a bass awkward design on a, on a map of how the congressional seats are apportioned, well, guess what? Every 10 years it changes, and they vote again. They come up with a whole new plan. And I know the term gerrymandering gets thrown out there. But I could have sworn that state legislatures, in some ways, this is their most important job, is to come up with the map. So why does the United States Supreme Court even have a, a dog in the fight? Constitutional scholars, help me out on this one. <laughs> Let me know here at the Y'all Show. Okay, while we're talking about Alabama lawmakers, now, in addition to dealing with the United States Supreme Court, in Montgomery Tuesday, they moved forward with construction plans of a new state house to replace the current space as the Alabama Legislative Council, a 20-member panel, has backed the signing of an agreement with the Retirement Systems of Alabama, which builds lots of buildings in the state, and they're going to sign off on building a new state house in Montgomery. How about that? That's exciting news, I guess, if you're in Alabama as the current state house which goes way back i think before the civil war of course alabama and montgomery specifically was the capital of the confederacy back in 1861 before they moved it on to richmond virginia probably a bad move looking back but they still have the the white house of the confederacy there in montgomery i guess I, let me let me correct myself i guess they do <laughs> with all these uh, other wild things going on in the woke world we live in, it could, could have been shut down years ago. But uh, Alabama looks like they're going to have a new state house. So make plans to go check it out when you're passing through Montgomery in the future. And that wraps up some of our headlines here for hour number one. When we come back, we're going to wrap this hour up in its entirety, talking about biscuits. Biscuits and we'll also discuss how Southerners are being compared to New Yorkers. What? I'll explain when hashtag hullabaloo hits the airwaves right after this.
someone else feel small If you ain't got nothing nice to say Don't say nothing at all Just hold your own words from Texan Casey Musgraves. We're back wrapping up hour number one with a little hashtag hullabaloo. This is where y'all get in touch with us on social media and through the text lines and more. We've got a text we'll get to in just a sec, but in the spirit of talking about biscuits, let's go to Larry Alex Taunton on social media with the X account at Larry Taunton. Larry is an author and a columnist with contributions to USA Today. CNN, New York Post, and more. And here's what he is out saying in the social media stratosphere. He says, I have a new hobby, buttermilk biscuits. To quote an old Southern gentleman, you show me a Southerner who doesn't like biscuits, and I'll show you a spy. (laughs) Amen to that, Larry Alex Taunton. Got to check his workout. That is prophetic there. I have not heard of that quote, but let me repeat that. To quote an old Southern gentleman, maybe a guy named John, by the way, you show me a Southerner who doesn't like biscuits, and I'll show you a spy. Amen to that. Let's pick up our conversation of things from across the text line. We were just having in our previous segment a discussion on Selma, Alabama, and Selmer, and Tennessee texter here says, if you don't get that Selma, Selmer thing straight, Things are going to get ugly with a couple of emojis of smiley faces there. Yeah, well, thank you. As I said, it's it's a little confusing. It is a little confusing that a town in Tennessee would be named after a town in Alabama and then they would mis- they, they spelled it with an R. I, I don't get it. But then again, as we know here in the South, we've got Lafayette, Lafayette, towns like that. And... Uh, Oh, and I forgot, in some sections of the South, Lafayette is L-A space Fayette, La Fayette. And then you got to think, going back to Tennessee, I believe Fayette County in Tennessee is named after the same guy, Lafayette, but they didn't put the L-A on it. Man, this is confusing. You know what's not confusing is back to the X account of Zane Miller, and Zane writes, I love how Southerners go like, sure, we have no public transit, Repressed minorities have the worst weather possible and have extreme gun violence. But have you considered that we also dump a lot of sugar into our food? Zane, come on, man. What are you talking about? Well, guess what? Mono Ryuki responds to Zane, the Zane train, with the following X. Says the average Southerner is nicer than the nicest New Yorker. Amen to that. Great response to that wise guy, Zane. And we appreciate all of you, wise guys or not, for listening to the Y'all Show as we're wrapping up Hour 1. We've got a lot of fun coming in Hour 2. Stay tuned. We've got our recipe of the day. We're going to be talking about pumpkin bread. And we also have our Southern Business Spotlight all on the show about the South.
number one and we're back here on the south and yeah absolutely the south is where it's at and we have no shame telling you about it make the south great or keep the south great again is really what we should have here as our battle cry on y'all the show all about the south john rawl there's no show out there like what we do and we appreciate all of you who tune in and all of you who participate via our text lines and all the other ways that you can connect to us you can email us mail mail at yall.com that's another great tool that you can use 24 hours a day the y'all show is available in podcast form don't want to leave out all of you who catch us on that we've got thousands of you who listen to us each week on our y'all show podcast options and thank you so much for listening in as you can find the y'all show in spotify the iHeartRadio app the tune in app plus we're in apple podcast and apple itunes just search for y'all.com or rather y'all show you can go to y'all.com and find the y'all show too we've got a nice little y'all show tab right there across the top of the home page and every show that we've ever done you can assess right there at y'all.com so thank you so much for all of you who don't get us live on great radio stations across the south but you you get us when you're able to to work it in and i know we've got a lot of people out there who have the good blue collar jobs and they are able to mix us in while they're out there running factories running lawnmowers delivering packages all the things that those red white and blue americans do to keep this country going we thank you so much and you know for our white collar listeners (laughs) thank you also for listening to us while you're out on the golf course (laughs) just kidding just kidding thank you to everybody no matter what your collar is i'm more of a red white and blue collar that that would be a good that's an old gibson miller song i should play that coming back from a break that's a great song from a a band that uh, just didn't quite get the popularity that they should have good old dave gibson and blue miller of a epic records group again i'm gonna shut up and play that song that let let the music speak for itself we'll do that coming back from the next break let's kick off this hour two with more headlines before we get over to talking about classic pumpkin bread when we get a little food on our mind later this hour and before the hour concludes we've got our southern business spotlight we've got unfortunately a murder that happened in baltimore maryland and a tech startup founder has been murdered as she started EcoMap, and we'll give you the details out of Baltimore on that. Plus, we'll discuss women's health care and its cost as part of our Southern Business Spotlight before Hour 2 is complete. Back to the headlines across the nation and across the South today. From a political standpoint, people are watching Fox, or they're going to be watching Fox as today, or specifically tonight, you're going to have the second Republican presidential debate go down on the Fox network as well as the Fox business network and Univision is going to be carrying this in the Spanish language. This will be happening from Simi Valley, California's Ronald Reagan Library. and You'll have the seven candidates who've qualified for president up on stage minus president trump he won't be there but you'll have up on stage competing in this republican second presidential debate ron DeSantis, as well as the governor of north dakota governor burgeon you also have nikki haley tim scott 
and Chris Christie, Mike Pence, and that may be all. I'm having to do this off the top of my head. DeSantis, Ram- oh, Vivek, oh, Mr. Vivek, I don't want to leave him out. Vivek, Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence, Scott, Haley, Christie, and Doug Burgum, all in the Republican presidential debate, which kicks off in prime time on those Fox channels, as I discussed. Does this debate even matter? President Trump countering the Republican presidential debate by making an appearance today in Michigan, where President Biden was on Tuesday, and Trump trying to woo the UAW workers, trying to put his his um, skin in the game, if you will, on the UAW strike against the major automakers. And we'll find out the ratings. Remember, at least according to Trump, you know, Trump's in another headline today making news because he's got a judge in New York who's come down against his company for fraud. Unless he's being fraudulent, I heard him say the other day that his Tucker Carlson interviewed during that first presidential debate pulled in over 200 million viewers compared to what was considered a very successful first presidential debate from a rating standpoint, minus Trump on it, by the way. He knows what he's doing usually when it comes to media stuff. (laughs) And I love love how he always knows ratings. I forgot who... I, I guess he was interviewing... Kristen Welker the other day on her Meet the Press interview and um, he, he mentioned something about ratings to her in, in an interview. I'm sorry. He's, he's, he's a funny guy. By the way, I, I didn't mention as Trump had a big rally Monday in South Carolina and Marjorie Green was there. So two things that happened during his early moments of that speech and Somerville, South Carolina, as he thanked Lindsey Graham, the current U.S. Senator of South Carolina, and for the second time in recent months during a Trump rally in South Carolina, South Carolinians resoundingly booing Lindsey Graham while Trump's up on stage, thanking Lindsey Graham, who has come out early and supported the Trump 2024 campaign and so Trump on Monday thanked Lindsey Graham and the crowd there in Somerville booing their own U.S. Senator and that's in the low country of South Carolina now back several months ago when Trump made a campaign stop in the upstate in Seneca no he wasn't in Seneca he was in oh lordy it's Pickens County. I guess it's the county seat of Pickens County. I'm having a junior moment here. I can almost tell you exactly where it is. It's Clemson, and then you go through Central, and then it is the... I mean, I'll come up with this. Anyway, this was a whole different section of South Carolina a couple of months ago when he had that incredible rally that more than 50,000 people crammed into the town square. And... When Lindsey Graham was called out there on that rally in Pickens, can't believe I had a stupid moment there. I apologize for all the my fellow people who are mentally 
uh, fatigued at times. At times, uh, in Pickens, South Carolina, great town. Although I don't think I've been there, I shouldn't sit there and call a town great. But boy, the visuals! If you saw that Trump rally from several months ago, it was awesome. Around July Fourth, when he had that blazing hot day and fifty thousand people crammed to see Trump there. But when when Trump called out Lindsey the Graham there, or maybe when Lindsey got on stage, that's what it was. Lindsey got out there on stage and people were booing, and that's his home county. He's from that county, for God's sakes. Pickens County. So, yeah, on Monday, Lindsey once again got booed in his own state. He's going to have some challengers coming forward. In fact, I think I saw something come across that maybe a sitting congressman is going to challenge him in the primary in a couple of years. But another political person who I said was with him there in South Carolina this week in Somerville with Trump was Marjorie Green. She's from Georgia, for goodness sakes. Boy, she sure finds a way to get around Trump. And she was there, and uh, Trump on stage while in the first congressional, I think it's the first congressional district. It's a district currently represented by Republican Nancy Mace, who has had her own love-hate relationship with Donald Trump. But during the rally Monday, Trump started his whole deal was like I want to thank a, a lady here who's a member of Congress and she's a fighter and she's doing all these great things and I sat there thinking okay well he's gonna he's gonna recognize Nancy Mace who's on TV all the time by the way now and I thought well yeah that's a smart thing she just got reelected last year even though Trump kind of was going with her primary opponent mainly because Nancy Mace, he and her, he and Nancy had had some issues. As I said, they've got a love-hate relationship. But I thought during the whole build-up here in that speech, Monday Trump was saying, I want to thank her, and she's doing a great job, and blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking, well, he's having a politician moment where he's going to thank somebody who he's not always in harmony with. But no, instead of the congressman, and then he's sitting there thanking her, he says, I want to thank Marjorie Green. And she gets maybe the biggest applause of the day. And again, she's not even from South Carolina. And Trump was out there bringing her up. He never mentioned Nancy Mace's name, by the way. But to Mace's credit, she won her second race for Congress there in a very tough challenger. She had a, a pediatrician there in Charleston. She beat her out. And uh, she won convincingly. So I think Mace is going to be set up for a long a long time if she wants to keep that congressional role. Heck, watch for Nancy. Now that I think about it, watch for Nancy Mace to try to primary Lindsey Graham. I bet you that's what she's got planned. Absolutely. She is an opportunist. She's run for Senate before, back in 2014. So it wouldn't be out of the norm for Mace to try to kick Lindsey to the curb. And I don't know if Nancy Mace would be booed quite like Lindsey Graham is in that state. Just FYI. The Republican presidential debate getting back to national politics. It commences at 9 Eastern, 8 Central. And you can tune in and see Fox Business Network host Stuart Varney, who's not even American, for God's sakes. What do we got a foreigner hosting a presidential debate? Now, he may be an American citizen now. But still, come on. As Joe Biden would say, come on, man. 
Stuart Varney hosting a presidential debate. You got to be kidding me. And then Dana Perino, speaking of South Carolina, she's a part-time Beaufort County resident. Has a great dog, by the way, named Jasper, which comes from a great South Carolinian and Sergeant William Jasper, hero of the American Revolution. But those two will be hosting alongside Univision anchor Ilya Calderon. And this Republican debate airing tonight on Fox News Channel and Fox Business, as well as Univision. Good luck to those participating in that. Now, President Trump, in addition to not being at the debate in California on this Wednesday evening, he's got his own legal problems continuing. Man, oh man, oh man. (laughs) On Tuesday, a New York judge, Arthur Engeron, ruled that Donald Trump committed fraud for years while building his real estate empire, and that catapulted him to fame and the White House. And now this judge has ordered some of the former president's companies removed from his control and dissolved. Yikes. I hate that. If that uh, really is going to happen, I'm sure they'll appeal. But Trump now with even more problems, in this case coming from his native New York. Just got a text in, and I appreciate the texter who has corrected me and said that uh, Dana Perino's dog Jasper had passed away, and I did not know that. I'd heard her talk about it. In fact, I don't watch Fox News too much. Sometimes I see it but don't hear it, and I think I saw a picture, and texter, if you know the answer to this, hit me up on this. I think I saw her bragging about another dog's birthday. Maybe she's got another dog that just turned two, and I don't keep up with Dana Perino's dogs too much. But I did not know that Jasper had passed away. Great name for a dog, by the way. Great name for a person. If you're looking to change your name sometime, Jasper is a great, great name. And uh, our condolences to the Dana Perino family for the loss of her dog, Jasper. <laughs> but thank you for that, for that knowledge. She's got a book out. I'm sure a lot of you have even found her book. And man, I have so many people tell me, Golly, they love watching Fox because of Dana Perino. I wonder when she's going to get a primetime show. I wonder when they're going to kick off. Hmm, I don't even know what their line. Who, who do they, they? They got. They got uh, Jesse Waters. Maybe took over Tucker Carlson's spot. I watch. You know, I don't watch Fox News ever live. What I do is. It shows up on my YouTube suggestions, and so sometimes I'll catch up with some of the interviews on Fox later in the evening. That's how I watch Fox. So does that make me a, a bad person? And now that Rupert has essentially given control to Lachlan, I'm not sure I'm going to be missing anything. I, I really don't. But again, Fox, to their credit, has the Republican debate tonight, so FYI. Back to other stories, non-dog stories if y'all, again, I'm still waiting if you can let me know the name of that other dog that Perino's got. <laughs> and perhaps if I go down to the Beaufort area, specifically if I actually go over to Bluffton, that's where she has a second home and an awesome place. I had a chance to go view it where she lives, the neighborhood, a couple of years back. And if you, if you happen to know somebody 
you can find your way to Palmetto Bluff, which is an awesome little village if you're familiar with the low country. It is essentially a barrier island that they've gone in and completed this really cool town, but they made the town look like it's from the 1800s. So the houses are all throwback looking colonial or sort of the Charleston look and it's just stunning stunning views of the May, May River flows through there they've got golf and tennis and more but you, you gotta have you gotta have a pass and I fortunately was able to find my way into the neighborhood that I think she lives in called Palmetto Bluff beautiful area can't wait to get back alright we want to also remind you that we've got this potential government shutdown going on and that would be happening come Sunday, October 1st. And we hope that that could be avoided only because if you're a conservative, think this is going to be something the enemy's going to hold against you. That's the only reason. I got told, and let's see, I got a text about this. After Tuesday's show, I think I got a text. And someone called me. Let me make sure I pull it up. And I don't, I don't get too angry here while reading this. Um, I, got, I get a lot of text now that I think about it. Let's see here. Come on, text. Where are you? Let me let me find it. Because it, um, it really threw me off when I got called a liberal <laughs> for, for saying that I think the avoidance of a government shutdown would be a good thing. I'm not finding it right now. Oh, here we go. Maybe it is. So here, here, here you go. This comes from Tommy Boy, as he's sent me a text saying, "So you support out of control federal spending to a government shutdown? The border situation alone is enough reason to shut down the whole dang thing till it is fixed. Republicans are cowards." And then he called me a closet Democrat. Hey, I'll take the criticism. I'm just trying to keep the country going for reasons that most of us don't really understand why they would even ever shut the country down. It doesn't make sense to me. Keep it open, just like Waffle House. If Waffle House can be open, by golly, the United States government should be open, which I had an awesome... Let me tell you about my Waffle House experience this week, if you don't mind. So, did you realize that certain Waffle Houses now have a fixed menu and so when you go in there, they don't charge tax. The tax is already factored into your bill. It's, it's on the menu. I don't know if this is a nationwide thing they've done or only certain locations. But I had a fantastic meal the other day. And it cost me less than $10 at the Waffle House. Now, what's crazy was when I'm sitting there having my incredible Waffle House meal... I heard the waitress talking to another guy about how she loved these fancy cars and how she wants to have a Ferrari one day and she wants to have this. And, you know, I'm, I'm for every, anybody. If somebody's got a dream, go for it. But I'm sitting there thinking, lady, you work at Waffle House. How are you going to get a Ferrari? And she was bragging about her car. And you know what? When I got done, I went outside and I can't prove this was her car, but she and I and maybe one other person were the only people in that Waffle House at the time I was pigging out on my 
Well, I don't even, I don't really want to tell you what I was eating because it's actually not on the menu. And I don't want Waffle House changing their policy. But it was good what I had. I go outside and guess what? There's a Mercedes Benz, a nice Mercedes Benz. Eh, maybe a five-year-old Mercedes Benz out there in a the parking lot. And I think this was her car. I think she really does have the ability to get very nice luxury cars and she works at Waffle House. So I'm not saying you can't get luxury cars when you're a Waffle House employee. But if you thought you couldn't, this lady's proven that I think you can. And, you know, she may have other jobs. She may have worked hard in other professions, and therefore she's got a nice nest egg of money out there. She's got it stuffed beneath her bed. I don't know where she's got it, but good on you, Waffle House server, with your very nice Mercedes-Benz, something I've never owned. And she said she was serious when she told this guy that she intends to get a Ferrari or one of those other... I mean, she's, she's, she was naming off models of cars that I'd never heard of because I'm really not into cars. I want something that gets me from point A to point B and doesn't break down. That's really the main thing I'm looking for. But good on you, Waffle House. And look, if you're a good Waffle House server, heck yeah, you can probably get a a very nice couple of cars if you'd like to. We love our people in the service industry and the Waffle House people are a special special breed for some of the stupid things they've got to put up with especially in the middle of the night. A couple of passages to tell you about Brooks Robinson Baltimore Oriole great he died on Tuesday at the age of 86 helped the O's win a World Series back in his time in Baltimore also rapper and 8 mile actor Nashawn Breedlove has died at the age of of 46 to Nashville we go and a baby has been found in Metro Nashville found alone with a loaded gun inside a Nashville short term rental it was a one year old 15 I'm sorry let me correct myself it was a one year old child found with 15 pounds of marijuana a loaded Glock pistol and more than $17,000 in cash all found inside Mint House on Rosa Parks Boulevard in Nashville when this baby was found inside this short term rental found when a crew went in to clean up the unit and now officers are investigating after this one year old found with all this stuff in there the father has been identified, good old 19-year-old DeSanto Hoskin, and he's now been charged with child neglect, child endangerment, possession of marijuana for resale, gun possession and the commission of a dangerous felony, and possession of drug paraphernalia for the digital scales and marijuana packaging supplies that were found inside. The mother, good old 18-year-old Janae Snell, is now charged with child neglect and child endangerment. Officers said they also found scales and packaging materials inside the unit. The one-year-old taken to Vanderbilt Hospital as a precaution. Thankfully, Tennessee's Department of Children's Services involved and making custody arrangements. The father on a $62,000 bond. The woman being held on a $12,000 bond. All because of their stupidity of having a kid left alone near a loaded Glock pistol and 15 pounds of pot 
and cash and more just pathetic 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 story coming out of nashville tennessee and this kind of stuff happens everywhere but that's the story today sadly some media news to tell you about deborah roberts she's going to be taking over for amy roback as deborah roberts is the new co-anchor of 2020 on abc amy roback basically kicked off of abc after she and tj holmes with a very public affair as they were co-hosting GMA3 and I guess they fell in love. And if you aren't familiar with Deborah Roberts, she's been on TV for a long time, mostly on the Today Show where she fell in love with a guy on that show, a guy named Al Roker. And she's been married to Al Roker for quite some time. And Roberts has been reporting for 2020 since way back in 1995. You know, I, I, let me correct myself. I'm not sure she was ever on the Today Show. I'm not sure what her background is, but she's really well-liked and respected, and now she's going to be a co-anchor alongside David Muir on 2020 on ABC. Congratulations to Deborah Roberts. And other headlines across the Southeast today. A Florida man bitten 41 times by a rabid otter. This happened in Jupiter in southeast Florida. Not far from Palm, let's see, uh, Palm Beach, I guess, would be near, near here. And this man from Jupiter was outside feeding birds when he noticed the otter was in a pond. The man lifted his hand to Close the gate and the otter caused him to fall and he was bitten on the legs, hands, and arms. And this otter also attacked a dog and was eventually captured by residents with a recycling bin. The otter testing positive for rabies. Officials there in South Florida said the otter's rabies likely from a raccoon. But how about a man being bitten 41 times by an otter, a rabid otter? Gosh, that sounds terrible and scary all at the same time. And another reminder, we need to stay away from raccoons. We do need to stay from raccoons because they, someone told me that every raccoon was rabid. I don't know if that's true. I didn't study animal science and rabies and more, but let's just as a rule of thumb, pretend that every raccoon out there is rabid. Jerry Clower, are you listening? <laughs> All right. Did you go see Morgan Wallen? Did you want to go see Morgan Wallen when he was at Vault Hemingway Stadium back during the summer? Well, that was in April. He was down at the Vault, or he was supposed to be there for the Sunday Vault concert. Well, guess what? Morgan Wallen is going to maybe get a new haircut when he comes back to Oxford, as his Sunday concert from April got canceled for reasons that are still up for debate. His excuse was that his voice was lost. Others say, well, the guy was drunk. I don't know what the truth is. But the truth is, country music sensation Morgan Wallen is going to go back to the Ole Miss campus in April of 2024. He's got a concert scheduled April 20th of 2024. And Bailey Zimmerman, Nate Smith, and Lauren Watkins are going to be joining him on this 
tour. Wallen said, thank y'all for an insanely fun and fulfilling 2023 tour. It was impossible for me to hit every stadium that I wanted to in 2023. So we're going to keep this tour going in 2024. See y'all out there. Tickets for his tour, one night at time, 2024. You can go use advanced registration to get on that. But I think the people in North Mississippi would be forgiving, I guess. I mean, I heard from people who made it to the Saturday Morgan Wallen concert when this happened back in April. It was awesome. I heard people that went to the Sunday concert that said that was awesome all the way up to the point that Morgan Wallen didn't come out on stage and didn't perform. But again, if you're wanting to see Morgan at the University of Mississippi's Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, put down the date April 20th, 2024, and that would be a day that you can go out there with your whiskey glasses. And have a good, good time. Yes, sir. Morgan Wallen. And I saw something put out yesterday where Peyton Manning has some kind of social media thing where he's got Morgan Wallen's uh, mullet wig type thing on. I don't know. I don't I don't typically watch Peyton Manning videos, so let me just leave it at that. But uh, if you want to see Wallen back on the Mississippi campus, then check it out. April of 2024 we'll take a break here on y'all as we have plenty more to get to before we say goodbye to hour number two we've got coming up after the break a quick discussion on classic pumpkin bread we've got a great recipe to tell you and before the hour is up we have some southern business news to pass along to you what's going on with tarjay is that going to affect you all we'll discuss when y'all talk with an accent on the south rolls on Nineties country bringing us back from break as that consisted of Blue Miller and Dave Gibson on that Epic Records act. Texter here says Dave Gibson came back years ago to town when Gibson Miller slowed down. He was at the OCS on a songwriter's night. It was great. He and Paul Nelson wrote Joe Diffie's Ships That Don't Come In. He played it and it was fantastic. Yes, I have heard Dave play that song and uh, what a talent good I think he is from Arkansas originally I had a chance to sit down and do an interview with Dave Gibson about three years ago right during the middle of the pandemic and uh, he had at that time started a kids puppet type television show I don't know where that went probably not very far because 
a lot of things that tried to get going during COVID didn't go very far at all. But we wish him well. Dave Gibson and a great song. If you ever have a chance to go do some YouTube music listening, check out Gibson Miller. They had another song called Texas Tattoo. Awesome, awesome stuff. Just didn't get top 10 because there were so many acts back at that time period trying to make it in country music. Another text coming in. We appreciate everybody saying, didn't Dave Gibson have a song called Southern Man? Absolutely. And that's on, I think, that debut album from the Gibson Miller Band. Beautiful song. We'll have to squeeze that in sometime. But uh, love it. Love it. Anything to do with the South, we love. And a song called Southern Man sounds awesome. Soda's talking about pumpkin bread. And the website Serving Up Southern is where we go to as they've got a classic pumpkin bread recipe that they posted as they write pumpkin bread should be full of pumpkin flavor moist and be perfectly spiced this classic pumpkin bread is just that you know we're about to hit october it's officially fall and it's okay to start thinking about pumpkin bread so if you go to servingupsouthern.com you'll find this recipe for a classic pumpkin bread as they say this recipe will yield two delicious loaves of pumpkin bread and you'll have your choice of eating two right away giving one away or freezing one which will you choose (laughs) ingredients you need eggs oil water sugar pumpkin flour salt baking spices baking powder baking soda and then if you want you can add some nuts to your pumpkin bread and the instructions are all there. Basically, you got to get that oven going to 325 and your pan's ready. And then let the magic flow. When you get done, you can actually freeze pumpkin bread. And the question is, how long will it last in the freezer? If you wrap it completely in foil or saran wrap and place in a Ziploc freezer bag, The website says that this pumpkin bread should last two to three months in the freezer. So that's a great thing to do on a boring day. You can freeze plenty of pumpkin bread and then have it perfect and ready when mama comes over for Thanksgiving meal. I guess two months from now, two to three months. Let's see. Thanksgiving is right at two months. So yeah, this would be ideal. Go check it out. It is a classic pumpkin bread recipe. And the website, Serving Up Southern, is where you'll find it. Yum E. Happy early Thanksgiving to all y'all here from all of us here at the Y'all Show. And happy, definitely, happy fall, y'all. Pumpkin bread sounds mighty nice. I had, for the first time ever, a little sample Tuesday evening. Did you realize that Wendy's has, right now, in certain locations, one of their flavors on the Frosty Machine? They've switched out. They don't have strawberry right now at the one I went to, at least. They didn't have the strawberry. They don't have the vanilla. But for a limited time, some Wendy's locations have pumpkin spice Frosties. It looks kind of goofy. It's kind of a yellow-looking thing. It looks like you're eating a, 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 a cup full of mustard. But it was actually pretty darn tasty. If you have a chance, check it out. Pumpkin spice at select Wendy's locations in the southeast. Happy fall. In this case, from the hamburger joint, Wendy's. Really, I think it's more of a frosty joint. Gosh, I love frosties. Even the pumpkin spice ones. When we come back, we're going to spice it up with some Southern business talk as we close out this second hour of Talk About the South. 
pictures I didn't want to see They brought back memories You look happy, I guess Got the life that you wanted But it ain't with me You would think by now That I wouldn't care It's been a couple years And yeah, I've had my share Of other broken up hearts But I only shed real tears over ours Now I'm in this cold bright light Don't even feel like life Cause I don't have the only woman Who believed in me religiously And now I'm in the back of the church Praying just to stop the hurt Cause I don't have the only woman Who was there for me religiously We're back on y'all Wrapping up the second hour today with some southern business news and we actually have a tragic story in the world of southern business news as the founder of ecomap technologies which improves accessibility of information by mapping it and putting it in on accessible platforms ecomap founder murdered at the age of 26 in baltimore maryland tragic story there about the loss of Ecomap founder Pava Lapier found dead on September 25th in Baltimore after what police said someone called requesting assistance and she was killed by blunt force trauma. A 32-year-old man, Jason Dean Billingsley, has been arrested and charged with first-degree murder in Lapier's killing. A very successful startup company ecomap technologies and there in baltimore where it got going this woman killed lapeer was a 2019 graduate of john hopkins university there in baltimore and she after graduating invested her talent into the city and unfortunately she's been killed she was actually on the 2023 list of forbes for under 30 for social impact as Forbes wrote, with over $4 million raised and a team of nearly 30, the Johns Hopkins grad runs a company whose clients include the Aspen Institute, Meta, and the WXR Fund, and T. Rowe Price Foundation. And she has been murdered in Baltimore. Sad story there in Southern Business News to report. If you own a Hyundai or a Kia, be aware as we have a recall going on right now and we want to fill you in about this recall if you have certain models of hyundai's or again kia's across the south and trust me there are lots of you out there who have these things as nearly 3.4 million vehicles recalled after the automaker is telling owners of these certain models of cars that there is a fire risk and to be advised so let me pull up the exact models we're talking about here it looks like the recalls cover multiple car and SUV SUV models from the 2010 through 2019 models of Hyundai's Santa Fe SUV and Kia's Sorento SUV documents posted by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration Wednesday say the anti-lock brake control module can leak fluid and cause an electrical short which can then touch off a fire while the vehicles are parked or being driven. So if you own models 
2010 through 2019 of the Hyundai Santa Fe SUV or the Kia Sorento SUV, there is a recall going on right now. Be advised. Target is going to close a bunch of stores, mostly not in the south. They're going to close nine stores in left-leaning cities because they're citing violence and theft. These stores are in New York City, Seattle, San Francisco, and Portland. See you later, Target, in those cities. That's what happens when people don't enforce shoplifting and more and the violence that goes on. Again, no southern stores affected by this decision by Target to do this. Story out at CNBC.com, worth checking. Working women spend $15.4 billion a year, or yes, overall they do. They spend $15.4 billion more than men in out-of-pocket health cost. That's a heck of a lot of money. The study found that women spend 18% more than men on co-pays and deductibles on average. That's a bunch of money as health care cost hits everybody, but it looks like women, I feel for you ladies, you're spending a lot more money, it appears, on health care costs. Go check out this article at CNBC if you get a chance, as it just has been posted by writer Bertha Coombs. Working women spending $15.4 billion more than men in out-of-pocket health care costs. Yikes. That wraps up Hour 2. we got comedy and fun coming in Hour 3 of the Y'all Show, so stay tuned. powerful punch of southern conversation we are y'all we're back for the final hour thank you so much for checking us out as we give you a dose of dixie each and every day several hours of a dose it's a heavy dose so don't go consult your doctor dr john here giving you the authority to keep on listening and we appreciate that got an hour full of headlines and more As we have more coverage coming in from the South, I'm going to tell you here in a few minutes about how in the world of the craziness that we live in, Uber Eats is going to start accepting food stamps in 2024. You got to be kidding me. Food stamps at Uber. Yes, coming your way. Also, Jimmy Carter's got a birthday this weekend. He's going to turn 99 years old, and because of the government shutdown, there are likely going to be some changes in the celebration of the nation's former president. I'll have info out of Plains, Georgia on that. Plus, we'll tell you about how, speaking of presidents, Joe Biden's dog, Commander, has bitten another Secret Service agent. What are we going to do with this dog, y'all? I think the dog's begging to get the heck out of the Biden family. That, That seems to be, if I were a dog, I would be wanting to get out of the Biden family, too. I don't know if Trump has got a dog. I don't think he does. But I'm his dog, and you might be his dog, too. Just kidding. Welcome back. It's final hour of y'all. So we got those news headlines coming your way. And in addition to fun conversations about canines, presidential canines, in this final hour of Wednesday's Y'all Show, we've got plenty of Southern history to break down for you. It was on this day in 1964 that the Warren Commission 
was published. That was the basically the recap of why the John F. Kennedy assassination happened. And it was a big honking deal when that came out. We'll discuss that. Plus some famous Southern birthdays here as we'll discuss the birthday of Raphael Sims. Raphael Sims, commander of the Confederate States Naval ship the CSS Alabama one heck of an Alabamian we'll discuss Raphael Sims also it's Kathy Whitworth's birthday today who was Miss Whitworth who was Miss Whitworth well she was one heck of a golfer big time LPGA golfer we'll discuss her did you realize that Meatloaf aka Marvin Lee Ade was born in Dallas Texas on this day in 1947 we lost Meatloaf in 2022 at the age of 74. Meatloaf's birthday today, we'll tell you a little bit about him. Speaking of great singers, Brad Arnold's birthday is today. Lead singer of Three Doors Down, born in Escatawpha, Mississippi, back in 1978. We'll tell you more about Three Doors Down. Today, also speaking of people in the entertainment world, is the birthday of Dwayne Michael Carter Jr. Happy birthday, Dwayne Michael Carter Jr. But you might know him as Little Wayne. Today's Little Wayne's 41st birthday, born in the Big Easy. Plus, today is the birthday of a beautiful South Carolinian, Anna Camp. If you don't know who Anna Camp is, the actress, we'll tell you more about her in our Southern History Spotlight coming your way in just a few minutes. And before the hour is up, we're going to put your laughter to test. We've got a clean Southern comedian. I mean, when I say clean, yeah, he washes, he showers he shampoos he shaves he looks very nice he tucks his shirt in but the more important thing about johnny w is that he isn't a potty mouth when he's up on stage with his comedy act it's our southern humor spotlight and we're going to let you hear some comedy from johnny w and tell you more about this nashville-based funny man all right here in our final hour of talking about the Southeast here on the Y'all Show. To get involved with us, very easy to do so. Drop us an email, M-A-I-L, mail, at Y-A-L-L.com. And then if you're one of those late-night owls that catch our podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, as well as Apple iTunes and Apple Podcasts, you can find the Y'all Show in podcast form right there free of charge. Listen to it, share it. Tell more people about it. Listen to it on demand. We appreciate those of you who do that. Thousands of you each week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But if you have the desire to reach out to us any time of day, you can do that through the Y'all Show text line that's available to you for all of you catching us throughout the day. And that number is 615-208-4184. 615-208-4184. Easy, easy to catch up with us here at the y'all show let's jump into headlines across the southeast today so in new york on tuesday a judge there has ruled that donald j trump committed fraud for years while building his real estate empire and because of that fraud it helped catapult djt to fame and the white house and now judge arthur ingeron has ordered some of the president's companies removed from his control and dissolved as Judge Ingeron found that Trump and his company deceived banks, insurers, and others by massively overhauling his assets 
and then exaggerating his net worth on paperwork used in making deals and securing loans. And now, a ruling on Trump and his real estate empire being fraudulent. I just have to question this, because as a guy who isn't necessarily anti-Trump, one reason Trump, to me, has been acceptable as a candidate going back to 2016 is he was a loudmouth rich Yankee in the capital of loudmouth Yankee people New York City and he was not hidden in New York City Trump has been in the public eye for 50 plus years and a lot of people don't like Donald Trump they haven't liked Trump for 50 plus years so with that in mind, don't you think that at some point if Trump was doing stuff illegally and wrong, someone would have brought him down well before he ever even thought about running for political office? I think so. Because again, the guy doesn't necessarily hide out in the corner. He's not one of these secret billionaires. He's a loudmouth billionaire. So loud that it's probably hurt his business. He could be even richer if he would just not want to be in the public eye all the time. This was even before he became a presidential candidate, by the way. So I have to wonder how serious these rulings are coming from judges like Ingeron. And is this another case here, in this case, coming out of Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York, trying to get Trump? All this stems from the civil lawsuit brought by James and so she wanted to get Trump she's right now got somebody in Judge Arthur Ingeron who's doing his best to tighten the screws on the 45th president of the United States Trump today will be in Michigan he will not be at the second Republican presidential debate that's going to be taking place in California at the Ronald Reagan Library you've got a total of seven vying for television stardom in this Fox News and Fox Business News and Univision debate as there'll be seven on stage Ron DeSantis Vivek Ramaswamy Mike Pence Tim Scott Nikki Haley Chris Christie and Doug Burgum Trump again not there today the debate on Fox begins at 9 Eastern 8 Central moderated by Fox Business Network host Stuart Varney Dana Perino of the Fox News Channel and Univision anchor Ilya Calderon. Check it out if you get a chance for a good laugh. I don't know if Trump's got counter-programming planned for this second debate, but uh, knowing him, he, he just might. Now, Congress doesn't need to be tuned into this debate. They got bigger fish to cook. They got to figure out this whole government shutdown thing and some of the Congress people are infighting right now. Marjorie Green of Georgia, she's fighting for more cuts and opposes funds for Ukraine. The Senate on Tuesday passed a bill that would fund the government at current levels, but would also include aid to Ukraine and U.S. disaster aid. I have that number somewhere. It was a bunch of money going to Ukraine in that latest Senate proposal. And that's not going to make Congress happy. I mean, I, I'm all for supporting Ukraine, but there, even 
getting behind support of Ukraine still comes with a limit on how much you should give them. And we have a blank check, it appears, for that country. We've got people dying and hurting in this country, and we just have a blank check for Ukraine. Again, feel for them, want to help them out, but we need to be sensible, don't we? Do I need to run for president? Is it too late for me to get on the ballot? Are y'all going to support me? Probably not. <laughs> I'm going to try to be the second president of the Confederacy. That's my goal. That's I, I don't care what they do in California and Kansas and even the Dakotas or Maine. I, I'm concerned about this part of the world. So we'll just carve off our own little country and get this whole CSA thing going again, if, that, if that's okay with y'all. And uh, like the old Hank Williams Jr. song says, um, elect me as your president if the South would have won, and we'll put Hank Williams' picture on $100 bills. Amen. All right, other news headlines of the day that we'll get to here across the Southeast. Uber Eats. You don't have to have a Hank Williams $100 bill in the future. All you got to do is have food stamps because Uber Eats starting in January, is going to accept food stamps. The food delivery company will help in reducing barriers to fresh groceries, especially for the most vulnerable, including people living in food deserts, seniors, and those facing disabilities or transportation barriers. As Uber Eats said, that helping to improve access to quality food is incredibly important to our work at Uber and we're proud to use Uber's technology and extensive local delivery networks to offer SNAP recipients the ability to use their benefits to assess fresh groceries conveniently from our app in 2024. Uber Eats is also working with Medicaid and Medicare Advantage to accept flexible spending accounts or flex cards and also some waiver payment options too. Food stamps and Uber Eats remember the old name food stamps came from the fact that yes you could use government aid but it came with a little bit of a public embarrassment that you had to pull a actual stamp out when you were going through the checkout line now people have plastic cards you can't even really tell it's food stamps and in this case when uber eats starts offering their service you can sit there and get your food stamps through an app 2023 y'all so this weekend Jimmy Carter turns 99 years young and he'll be celebrating in Plains Georgia America's 39th president turns 99 Sunday and and if you're invited to go to Plains to celebrate alongside the president who has been in hospice for several months there may be a change or two because of the government shutdown Jimmy's going to celebrate his birthday Saturday from noon to four at the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library and Museum in Atlanta. I don't know if he's going to be there or not, actually, but there's a celebration there in Atlanta at the Carter Library. Admission is 99 cents to celebrate his 99th birthday. That's pretty neat. And the Carter Center announcing this week because of the possible government shutdown that the celebration planned for Saturday in Atlanta at the Carter Presidential Library, it's been moved to Sunday. Okay, sorry. Because of the possible government shutdown starting on 
President Carter's actual Sunday birthday, October 1st, the 99th birthday celebration of Jim Akata has been moved to Saturday, September 30th, and it's going to be from 12 to 4 in Atlanta, 99 cents admission all day, kids 16 and under free. There'll be crafts, games, trivia, and more, and a showing of all the president's men. I don't know if President Carter will be there, but just this past weekend at the Carter, at rather the Plains, Georgia Peanut Festival, Jimmy and Rosalind rode in the parade, and they were seen there in their hometown. So fantastic news for both of these almost 100-year-old Southerners. And Carter going through a real tough battle now as he's on the edge of death, but he's still out to some degree. So we're excited about that. And we hope he makes it to 99. And heck, we hope that uh, Jimmy Carter makes it to 100 here in one year. Happy birthday, sir. More presidential news, more Democratic presidential news. Have you heard about Commander? That's President Joe Biden and Jill Biden's dog. And Commander has bitten another Secret Service agent at the White House. Did this on Monday. According to a statement from, I believe, the Secret Service, they said, Monday around 8 p.m., a Secret Service Uniform Division police officer came in contact with a first family pet and was bitten. The officer was treated by medical personnel on complex. Now, this comes from Commander, who is a two-year-old German shepherd, and it is it's the 11th known biting incident that Commander has had And these incidents happen at both the White House and the Biden family home in Delaware. Hmm. Biden needs to get control not only of the country, but of his dang dog. <laughs> Commander, hush. Commander, sit. You reckon he's you reckon Joe Biden's a good dog owner? You know, the Biden supposedly are dog lovers. They were gifted, Commander, from Joe Biden's brother James. James, one of the many people that received millions of dollars, I think, from all of the Biden family goings-on around the world that Mr. Hunter Biden, I think, set up, the great savvy businessman that he is. And uh, we got to do something about Commander. I think Commander needs a leave of absence from the Biden family for a while. needs to get, you know, he needs to go through rehab. Commander needs to go through dog rehab which could possibly mean having a muzzle on but it could also mean maybe maybe commander's a republican maybe that's what this is all about and commander just can't stomach it he's like get me out of these darn liberals house i want to go to where republicans will feed me actual meat and potatoes and let me run around and do my business anywhere in the world and not not have all this pampering from the liberal Dems. Let's go have a good old Southern family take care of me. I'm just I'm just kidding. But uh, we wish Commander the best. He's having a tough go of it. And do not bite. In fact, this is not good news for those who aren't exactly dog fans that this dog in the White House of all places has a problem biting people. Yikes. Maybe just maybe 
some of America's enemies will soon be visiting the White House. That's a good time to bite somebody, Commander, if you're going to bite them. Perhaps Vladimir Putin will make a visit someday to the White House, and Commander can put a little bite in his into his ankle, maybe. Vladimir. And that's a look at some of our news headlines here on the Y'all Show. We've gone with the dogs. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to start turning our attention to closing out this Wednesday edition, but we've got our Southern History Spotlight, some Civil War news to tell you about. Plus, the Warren Commission was published on this date in history. We'll explain the importance of that official record of the John F. Kennedy assassination. That, plus some famous birthdays here across the Southeast. You don't want to miss it. And don't forget that you can connect to us here at the Y'all Show by texting us as we have our 24-hour-a-day text line, 615-208-4184. And you can email us, mail at y'all.com. We will be right back with history on our mind before the hour's up. We've got a very special comedy spotlight coming too, so stay tuned. The sun's gonna shine in my life once more. Love's gonna live here again. Things are gonna be the way they were before. Love's gonna live here again. Love's gonna live here. Love's gonna live here. Love's gonna live here again. On November 22nd, 1963, that song right there from Buck Owens and the Buckaroos, Love's Gonna Live Here, was the number one song in country music. November 22nd, 1963. And that date in history also, of course, we know as the date that John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Washington, D.C. And Months later, after the assassination, it was on this date in history in 1964 that the Warren Commission was officially published and available to the public. And that was the commission that was tasked with investigating John F. Kennedy's November 22, 1963 assassination in Dallas, Texas. Congress had passed a resolution authorizing a report on the assassination and when it was published on this date in history it was an 888 page final report that was presented to President Lyndon B. Johnson and it went through all of the possibilities and more and it concluded that John F. Kennedy was assassinated by Lee Harvey Oswald and that Lee Harvey Oswald acted entirely alone It also concluded that Jack Ruby acted alone when he killed Oswald two days later. Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, Supreme Court Earl Warren, chaired the Warren Commission. And again, it was on this date in history that the commission put out this to the public. The Warren Commission consisted of not only the Chief Justice Warren, but U.S. Senator from Georgia, Richard Russell, also, John Sherman Cooper, Hale Boggs, Hale Boggs, 
was a representative from the New Orleans area at the time of the assassination. Also, lawyer John J. McCloy, Alan Dulles, of course, the airport in Washington, D.C., named for this guy who would ultimately head the CIA during the Cold War. And a guy from Michigan was on this thing, one of the seven members, named Gerald Ford. And he would go on to be the President of the United States ten years later. The Warren Commission report coming out in 1964 this week. And we know now how for now 60 plus years people have had conspiracies and thoughts on the Kennedy assassination. Even just the other day more info comes out on it. An unfortunate but intriguing part of our American story is the Kennedy assassination. And if you were alive, you know exactly where you were on that November day in 1963. A little music history. It was on this date in history that the song The Memphis Blues of W.C. Handy fame was published. And it's considered to be the first blues song. Subtitled Mr. Crump, who was the longtime mayoral candidate in Memphis, Edward Crump. It's based on a campaign song written by Handy for Mayor Crump. Handy claimed credit for writing Mr. Crump, but Memphis musicians say it was written by Handy's clarinetist, Paul Wire. Regardless, the song The Memphis Blues became, again, what many consider the first blues song, and it was published on this date in history back in 1914 sadly it was recorded I think it was recorded in New York City not in Memphis now, even worse it was recorded in Camden New Jersey if only only they could have recorded it in the south but how about W.C. Handy if you're not familiar with him the famous composer who was born in Florence, Alabama back in 1873 and then would go on to be in the Memphis area for most of his career after studying at Alabama A&M north of Huntsville and the father of the blues you could say W.C. Handy but that song the Memphis Blues is what today is all about Raphael Sims, speaking of Alabama, he was the commander of the Confederate state ship Alabama. Raphael Sims, born on this day in history in 1809. He was born in Najamsey, Maryland. He would go on from his time there in Maryland to go on to be one of the great naval minds of the Confederacy as he was captain of the cruiser CSS Alabama. He also acted briefly as a brigadier general in the Confederate Army. How about that? An admiral and a general, Raphael Sims. He served in the United States Navy from 1826 to 1860. So he had a long career there. He also was a lawyer. In fact, he was an expert at maritime law, and that's how some say he escaped being prosecuted for what the CSS Alabama did during its time in service to the Confederacy as it raided 
ships to help the Confederate cause. And go check out the story of the CSS Alabama and its incredible story against the USS Kearsage. And they had this epic battle off of Cherbourg, France in 1864. And the Alabama went down there and Sims had to be rescued alongside many of his crew members. But I don't know why there has not been a movie about Raphael Sims or the CSS Alabama. There should be. It's worthy of a of a story for sure. But uh, just a, a, a an amazing story. Another amazing Civil War story specifically. Raphael Sims who forever had a statue of him in downtown Mobile where he lived during most of his time as he's a member of the Alabama Hall of Fame. In fact, one of the streets on the LSU campus was named for him and it has been changed because of how people feel about Confederate people. This statue in Mobile, removed by the city of Mobile in 2020, but there's still a section of Mobile County named for him as well as a hotel in downtown Mobile that's called the Admiral Hotel in his honor. but became an admiral in the Confederate Navy in 1865. Raphael Sims, check him out sometime if you're a Civil War historian, especially if you are like me and have a a weird interest in Confederate naval stuff. I, I'm really fascinated by how successful the Navy was with the Hunley, for example, the first submarine in the world was a Confederate submarine, and then the success of the Alabama and Star of the West and more and how the Confederacy was choked by the Union blockade and they still found a way to get through if you don't believe me go ask Rhett Butler who was a blockade runner and gone with the wind (laughs) happy birthday Raphael Sims Raphael Sims lived until 1877 he died in Mobile at the age of 67 when he passed away in 1877. Raphael Sims' birthday today. Kathy Whitworth, it's her birthday in history. She died just a few months ago. She died just before Christmas of 2022. But Whitworth, a very successful golfer, as she won 88 LPGA Tour tournaments, more than anyone else on the LPGA, LPGA or the PGA Tour, she is the winningest golfer ever, you could say. Kathy Whitworth. And she had a lot of money made. She became the first woman to reach career earnings of a million dollars on the LPGA Tour. She's a member of the World Golf Hall of Fame. And Kathy Whitworth was born in Monahans, Texas in 1939. She attended Odessa College and went on to be one heck of a golfer. She won... The Western Open, in in terms of the majors on the LPGA Tour, she won the Western Open, the Title Holders Cup. She won that a couple times back in the 1960s. She won the PGA Championship three different times back in the late 60s and early 70s. And then she unfortunately never won the Women's Open. She finished second in 1971, but she won more than any other golfer, professional golfer ever in both the LPGA or the PGA or even the Live Tour. Kathy Whitworth with a birthday. She was born 
September 27, 1939. She died last year at the age of 83. She died in Flower Mound in her native Texas. Speaking of Texans with birthdays, today is the birthday in history of Michael Lee Adde, a.k.a. Meatloaf. Meatloaf, the great singer and actor. He died back in 2022 as well. He died in Nashville at the age of 74 in January of last year. But Meatloaf, born in Dallas on this day in history in 1947, lost him last year at the age of 74. And what a voice he had. What a fantastic career. And then, again, doing a little acting along the way. And I'm sure some of you have your favorite Meatloaf songs. I mean, look, his name was Meatloaf, for goodness sake. So, <laughs> you got to respect that. Anybody that can go through there. But Bad Out of Hell was probably his uh, best album, in my, ter- in my opinion, back in the early 90s and had his tours that he did very, very well at the box office with his worldwide tours and more. And then in terms of movies, he was in films like Wayne's World. He was in Black Dog. He was in a movie called A Hole in One. And his last film role, which was 2016, he played himself in the movie Sausage Party. <laughs> I don't think I saw that one, but Meatloaf, birthday today. Another great singer in the rock and roll genre. Today is the birthday of Brad Arnold. Brad Arnold, the lead singer of Three Doors Down. And he's the only remaining original member of Three Doors Down still going. Brad Arnold, born in Escatapa, Mississippi. September 27, 1978. He is now 45 years young. And the song Kryptonite. He wrote that in high school during math class when he was just 15 years old. And how about the success that Three Doors Down has enjoyed through their career? Coming from right on the coast of Mississippi down in South Mississippi is where this group is out of Jackson County specific. Just down the road from Pascagoula is where you'll find Escatapa. And Brad Arnold, its native son, with a birthday today. Today's also the birthday of Dwayne Michael Carter Jr. You can call him Little Wayne, the rapper, singer, songwriter, and Colorado Buffaloes fan, Dion fan more specifically. He was born on this day in history in 1982 in New Orleans. So happy 41st birthday to Lil Wayne. His solo debut album, The Block is Hot, came out in 1999 and has received a lot of success from a record sales standpoint with his brand of hip-hop and cultural icon, you could say, for many. Lil Wayne, birthday today. Happy birthday, sir. Today's also the birthday of a beautiful Aiken, South Carolina-born actress, Anna Camp. You may know her as the villainous Sarah Newland in the HBO vampire drama True Blood. And then she was in the comedy Pitch Perfect, its film series that aired for five years. She's also been in Mad Men, The Good Wife, The Mindy Project, and she was in Vegas, been in a lot of film roles. Anna Camp, born in Aiken, South Carolina, to a mom 
who is a Democratic Party volunteer, and a dad, Thomas Camp, who's a bank executive there in the CSRA. And today is her birthday. This lady who studied at the University of North Carolina School of the Arts got a BFA there before going on to, I think, to the Big Apple is where she got her career going first. Anna Camp, actress, with a birthday today. She is 41 years young, beautiful blonde, from Aiken, SC, home of the University of South Carolina Aiken Pacers. Go Pacers, (laughs) y'all. And that will conclude our Southern History Spotlight here for this hour of the Y'all Show. So, guess what? We need a good laugh after having all this heavy stuff that we've been telling you about, right? Yes, we need a good laugh. And when we come back, we're going to wrap up this Wednesday edition with a Southern Humor Spotlight. I'm going to introduce you, if you're not familiar, with Johnny W. He is a Nashville-based funny man. And we've got a clip from a recent performance that he had where he talks about when your pilot has a southern accent. Now, I see that as a positive, Johnny W., but for some, it might scare you off a little bit if your pilot comes out talking like I'm talking right now, right? You want to land safely wherever you're going, correct? We'll introduce you to this clean comedian, Johnny W., when the Y'all Show comes right back and wraps things up. So stay tuned, y'all. We'll give you a, a laugh for sure. singing for us as we get ready to close out this Wednesday edition of the Y'all Show. I remember seeing her and Tim when they were newlyweds hanging out at the Franklin McDonald's with their kid running around the little play area. And that was... I hate to say it. (laughs) Over 25 years ago. Ouch. Ouch, ouch, ouch. But yes, at one point, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill would actually go to McDonald's Playgrounds and hang out with their kid. Might have even had a birthday party. I think they've got three daughters to their credit. Speaking of the Nashville area, that's where Johnny W. lives. As we wrap up this Wednesday show, we're going to leave you in stitches because we've got our Southern Comedy Spotlight. Johnny W. is what is called a clean comedian that 
claims Nashville is his home. And Johnny W. got his start in comedy as a young adult pastor at a church and then was asked to perform a comedy sketch on stage to break the ice at a retreat. And then he realized he was pretty dang funny. So he ultimately started getting bookings at events where he would perform his comedy sketches. He also performs guitar. He does really good on the guitar and sings as well. So you might want to consider getting Johnny W. at something you've got planned if you're looking for a good, clean comedian. This guy, is he's got a career going quite well right now. In fact, Johnny is teamed up with funny man Tim Hawkins on the Rock Show Comedy Tour which is having sold out shows coast to coast as Johnny is blending his musical chops, his mad vocals and his offbeat stand up for a unique comedy experience his first DVD Angry Sandwich a success and now he's got Live from Franklin Theater is another offering on DVD that you can check out Johnny's been featured on Sirius XM. He's been on Laugh USA. He's been on iHeartRadio, TBN, and more. Johnny W. His name is spelled J-O-N-N-I-E-W. The website is johnnyw.com. And let me tell you about some tour dates before we actually give you a sample of Johnny W. in concert. He's a busy fella. In fact, Thursday he'll be in Indiana at Napney, Indiana's The Round Barn Theater. Then this weekend, he'll be in Colorado. His first Southern appearance is October 5th, where he'll be on October 5th in Mount Airy, Maryland, performing at the Damascus Road Community Church. He'll be in Fredericksburg, Virginia, October 7th. And then he'll be, man, he's over in Canada. He'll be in El Paso, Texas, October 27th. Decatur, Arkansas, he'll be there for a free community comedy night on October 29th. Sorry if you live anywhere in the central portion of the South here. This guy's not coming back until December 1st. He'll be in Knoxville at the opening for Nate Garzett. That's coming up well into a couple of months from now. Johnny W. is his name. And if you want to know more about this guy's style of comedy, I have found his YouTube channel, Johnny W. And here's a fun skit that he's got where he talks about when you're a pilot has a southern accent. Let's go hear from this Nashville comedian, Johnny W., on the Y'all Show's Comedy Spotlight. I'm stupid. And I'm from the south, too, so people think if you hear a southern accent, they immediately like start deducting IQ points. I don't like that. Sometimes when I hear a southern accent, I'm in a, t- a state like this, I'm like, oh, is this one of us? It feels like a warm feeling. Like, oh, this is nice. Maybe I'll get some sweet tea or whatever. It's good. You know? But when you hear a southern accent, sometimes like a certain job, you're just like immediately just ill at ease. I was in a, on a, a LaGuardia airport. I was on the runway waiting to take off, and we're there for 45 minutes. And you know they're just going to come on the intercom and tell you something's wrong with the plane. We're not, we're not going anywhere after that point. 45 minutes, it's way too long. And the guy got on the intercom, the pilot. He's trying to calm us down, 200 people, and immediately he had the thickest southern accent. And I was immediately like, get me off this plane, this guy. <laughs> Just the way he talked, I mean, he goes, no, he should not be doing this. He goes, this is what he said, I'm not making this up, not embellishing in one way. He goes, now, it's your captain speaking. Now, what happened was, they's fueling up the plane, and that hose come loose. And it sprayed jet fuel all over the back end of the plane. He said back end, he didn't even know what it was called. He said back end of the plane. 
<laughs> and then he said this, and this one I was like, get me out of here. He goes, we got to get some soap and water and come wash that off. <laughs> what? Excuse me? There's two things you don't want to hear from your pilot, okay? One is wash, and the other one is, we're coming in hot! You don't want to hear either of those. Those are both bad. All right, Johnny W., the name, and he's pretty funny, and he bills himself as a clean comedian. And if you're lucky enough to be at the Round Barn Theater in Napanee, Indiana, that's where he'll be performing Thursday evening before heading over to Colorado and then Nebraska all this weekend. Busy fella, a Nashville-based singer and more. His website is J-O-N-N-I-E-W.com. Again, he does a lot of church appearances and more, and we're glad to have that as part of our Southern Comedy Spotlight here on this Wednesday Y'all Show. Thank y'all for being a part of the fun. We got a great Thursday Y'all Show. Kiefer Ingalls will be back to prognosticate the pigskin as college football makes its return. We'll discuss that. Plus, we'll have our country music news and notes and a look at new festivals or great festivals going on this weekend all on the Thursday Y'all Show. Until then, have a great rest of y'all's day. We'll be right back.